this back just a little bit so that I can hear me and so that you can hear me. Can everybody hear me okay? I don't plan on shouting tonight, so going to just need to deal with this voice. Just make sure that you can hear me. So I want you to think about something. I want you to think back to the time when you did what the Bible calls calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to think back to the day that you were saved, the day that you gave your heart to Christ, the day you became a child of God. I want you to think about the person who led you to the Lord or the people that God used to bring you to himself. I have to ask the question at this point, have you ever told them thank you? Have you ever thought back and thought, what if that person wasn't in my life? What if you take all the godly influences you have in your life out? What are the chances of you coming to Christ? Let me ask you this question. If no one ever told you about Jesus, would you be saved today? No, you wouldn't have. It's impossible. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and that the word of God. That's in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Before verse 17, we find a couple of more key passages that tell us that uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It goes on to also tell you that... Uh, how can anybody hear without a preacher? How can anybody know Christ if somebody else doesn't tell them? Have you ever realized that that's the way God set it up? He set this whole thing up, fully intending us to bring the message of hope to other people. I read something a couple of weeks ago that just blew me away. And it's pretty short. Let me, let me read it to you. More than half of all churchgoers, that's 51%. By the way, this is a poll. Don't you all love polls? Some of them. <laughs> they always get me to thinking. Usually I'm thinking... What if they're right? What if they're right? Where was that? More than half of all churchgoers say they have not heard of the Great Commission. 51%. Another 6% are not sure if they've heard of the Great Commission. A quarter have heard of it but cannot recall the exact meaning. Only 17% of all of those who were polled have heard of the Great Commission and know what it means. 
I ask you tonight, do you know what the Great Commission is? Where do we find the Great Commission? It's a trick question, but all of you said exactly what I thought you were going to, which was Matthew, right? Is it anywhere else? You're in the headlights right now. Welcome to my world. Sorry. So in Matthew, we have the most commonly known of the Great Commission. It says, some of you know it well enough to quote it. Very good. Let me read to you something right quick. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Hang out with me for just a minute. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Luke 24, 46. He also said to them, This is what is written, The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. John chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I also send you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I've just shared with you five times in the New Testament, the first five books, where we find the Great Commission. And it scares me that half the church doesn't know if they've heard it or not. They certainly don't know it. They certainly don't do it if they don't know it, right? It's pretty good logic. So tonight, my intentions, what, what Owen has asked me to do is to teach on evangelism. And I thought it would be very fitting to start with the Great Commission, which is exactly what Christ, our Savior, has commissioned his church to do, to go make disciples of all nations. You can't do that apart from telling them the gospel. They have to hear, and they have to believe, and they have to call upon the name of the Lord before they can ever be a disciple. We're told in Mark's gospel to go and preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news, right? It's the good news that Jesus died for our sins, but wait, there's more. He was resurrected on the third day. Matter of fact, Luke tells us exactly what to preach repentance and forgiveness of your sins through Christ. John reminds us Jesus was sent by the Father 
Jesus sends us in the same way. But then he reminds us again in Acts that you do not do this on your own. You wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and then you go. As a born-again believer, we receive the Holy Spirit when we cry out to the Lord. When we are saved, that moment of regeneration, rebirth, whatever you want to call it, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. I was reading a book about this very subject, evangelism, and I found a couple of interesting things inside this book. Um, One of them caught me off guard, and I just want to share it. I don't mean this the way it sounds but you don't have to agree with it but I want you to think about it I want you to think about it hard scripture presents evangelism as a discipline to be practiced by all believers intentionally and consistently he goes on to say evangelism is not a spiritual gift you'll find anywhere in scripture nowhere But yet it's something expected of all of us to do. It's a skill that must be taught, learned, practiced over and over and over. And good thing, bad thing, however you want to see it, you don't do it the same way every time because people are not the same. They're in different places. They're in different walks of life. They have different thought processes. Um... This is another thing that I want to read to you out of this book, and I'll quit quoting the book. Anyone who knows enough of the gospel to have heard it, believed it, and been saved by it knows enough of the gospel to share it. Think about that for just a minute. I believe he's biblically based and correct in that statement. If you know enough of the gospel to understand it and to receive Christ as your Savior, you now know enough to share with other people. Never, never, never underestimate the power of your personal testimony when it comes to sharing with other people. So let me time out for just a second and say that on the back table back there, I have blank sheets of paper, and I saw all of the funny looks. What is that? And my wife even gave me one. What is this? Okay, so here's what I'd like you to do with these sheets of paper. As I'm talking tonight, and as I'm sharing these things, I'm confident the Lord will bring things to mind. Jot them down. If you have questions, if you have um, a tough time with witnessing, a tough time with sharing with people, or you've tried uh, with certain people and you're having issues, you just keep getting blocked, whatever, you have questions, write those questions down. I'll be back up here in two weeks. We'll love to answer your questions, or you can email me, you can call me. Um, But that's what the blank sheets of paper were all about, just to be able to take down notes as the Lord brings to mind um, things that you've gone through, things that you're going through. Um, Take notes as you see fit. But let me me just share with you the way that I typically evangelize someone. And by the way, that word evangelize is big, but it's, it's nothing, all right? It's small. It's not a problem. Evangelizing is having a conversation with somebody. 
that's all it is. You're having a conversation. So you don't have to think, I'm evangelizing this person. I don't think that anymore. I just think I'm going to have a conversation with somebody. I'm going to go find out who they are. I'm going to go find out how they are. And then I'm going to ask them about their walk. I'm going to ask them about church, blah, blah, blah. So here is my go-to every single time. When I'm at work, I'll put, I'll put parentheses on that, all right? I'm an electrician, construction guy, and the whole go and tell, go and make disciples, I get to go sometimes, but the majority of the time, the Lord brings them to me. All I did was go to work, and these people just show up, and that's my cue. Now, it's taken me a while to learn this. I used to be the guy that would just meander off over here when everybody else was over here, and I'm fine just sitting over there by myself, not bothering me. I, I don't feel rude. I probably was rude, but it didn't bother me not to just sit and carry on and have a conversation. I started reading the Bible, and I picked up from reading the Bible that, hey, I'm supposed to be sharing this with people. I've got something that other people don't have. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. So as people filter in, I watch, I try to work towards them. Sometimes we're not going to be working in the same area. I just get up and walk over, and I say, hey, how are you doing? And they're, they're like, I'm fine. How are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing pretty good. Where are you guys from? Oh, I'm from wherever. And I say, well, that's great. Married? Wife? Kids? Yes? No? Whatever answer they say. I'll say, do you go to church there in Piedmont? This usually tells you how the conversation is going to go real quick. Have you all noticed that not a lot of people like church? Because a strange look comes over people's face most of the time whenever I ask them if they go to church there. And it tells me, I can tell when they're convicted. I can tell when they're like, oh, man, I'm not one of these guys. <laughs> Just this afternoon, I asked the guy, you from this area? Nope. So where are you from? He says, oh, I'm from down here. I said, okay, go to church down there. He just looks at me. He says, no. I said, not a churchy guy? No, not really. I said, very good. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? He says, oh, yeah. Yep, sure do. I love God. I just don't love churches. Baptist, Southern Baptist, like that, and this is exactly what he said. Baptist, Southern Baptist, whatever. I don't get into the whole whatever. I love God. I follow God, and that's how I do it. I said, well, that's great. That's great. I understand you being frustrated with churches. I said, let me share with you what the scripture says about believers and about them fellowshipping with other believers to be able to fellowship with God. Have you ever heard of this before? No? Well, that's what 1 John says. Fellowship with God comes through the church. So I encouraged him, whether he was frustrated with certain churches or not, to find one that he wasn't frustrated with and to begin to walk with other believers. We're not supposed to do this alone. It won't work by yourself. We know this. I've shared with you at uh, other times about a young man named Tyre. 
was in a restaurant. Asked him if there was anything I could pray for him. And this story has continued on even to this day, just to tell you the truth. Um, I have, uh, I've spent a, a, I wouldn't say a great deal of time with him, but I've spent some time with him um, just doing my best to try and lead this young man to Christ. He will talk, he's Muslim by the way, he's in his early 20s, he is Eritrean African, and he can't get over his poorness, if you will. You just can't get over it. Um, and usually that's, that's where our paths cross again. He'll contact me when he needs something, which is fine. It gives me another opportunity to go and hang out with him, another opportunity to share with him. The last few times we've hung out, I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. He brings up God. He brings up Jesus. He talks to me about what the Bible says. He doesn't always get it right. <laughs> But I've also learned through the years of sharing not to correct someone when they don't get something 100% right. Go with what they have. Go with whatever they give you. Um, and he's told me multiple times how he loves to talk with me because he can talk about Islam and he can talk about Christianity without me getting upset. So, let me share another story with you. My wife and I, and my youngest, um, she's four, we were at Arby's one night, just pulled in to eat, we sit down, we get our food, go sit down, she gets up, my wife gets up to get something to drink, this guy comes up behind her, and uh, tall skinny guy, long hair, and I can see him from the side, and you know, we all have a picture of what Jesus looks like in our eyes, in our mind, I don't picture him with long hair at all. But when I seen this guy, the first thing I thought of was Christ. I'm not even joking. I just looked at him, and I'm just kind of like, I, I've always had this thought and this prayer in my mind. Lord, like if you come walking down here, don't let me miss it. Don't let me get past, and then you show me I was right there, and you didn't see me. Yeah, okay, I'm silly like that, all right? Either way, this guy walks in, he's got a cup, he's going to fill his cup up with his drink, right? And I'm looking at him, and there's just something about this guy, I can't stop looking at him. Well, he looks at me, right? it's like eye to eye, and I just stare for a minute, and then finally I'm like, oh, I'm going to make him feel awkward. So I look away, he gets his water, and he goes and sits down, and I kind of look back over my shoulder, and he catches me looking at him again, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to freak this guy out. So, I just left my back turned, and there's just, I don't know, there's just something balling up inside of me, right? So, we eat, and I noticed he never got anything to eat. He just sat there with that cup. We get out, we leave, we go get in the car, and uh, he comes walking by, and I'm like, man, Lord, my wife is not going to let me <laughs> go after this guy, right? This is what I'm thinking. So I look over at her, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> you see that guy? She said, yeah, were you getting the vibe? I said, yeah. She says, go. I took off running around the restaurant. He's already across the parking lot. I run him down. I'm like, how are you doing? He says, I'm good. How are you doing? I said, I'm good. I'm Carl. 
He says, I'm Kyle. Gives me this little strange look. And I said, uh, are you okay? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? I said, I don't know, man. Just felt the need that I needed to come over here and talk with you. I said, are you hungry? Real softly, he said, yes. I said, would you come back in here and let me buy your dinner? He said, really? I said, yeah. So we walked back at the restaurant, buy him food. I noticed him, but he never noticed me because he said, are you not going to get anything to eat? I said, no, I'm good. He says, okay. Get his food. We sit down. We begin to talk. He'd been in Norman for about three days. He'd come up from Dallas. He's been homeless. Never did figure out how long he'd been homeless, but for quite some time. He rode up here with somebody, and he got separated from them for whatever reason. All he could talk about was the things that he used to have. I used to have a job. I used to have a home. I used to have a mom. I used to have a family. I don't have anything anymore. Nothing. Shared the gospel with him. Have you ever heard this before? He says, yeah. Yeah. I said, well, have you ever done this before? He's like, no, I haven't. So I continued to talk with him and to share with him. And he never got to a point where he wanted to make a decision. But I finally figured out, he, by the way, he wasn't even eating his food. He was talking. I had to tell him three times, eat, eat. And he would eat a little bit, and then he would start talking again. This guy just wanted someone to listen to him. That's all he wanted. I wasn't able to lead that man to Christ, but I was able to tell him, that there was a God in heaven who loved him more than he could fathom and wanted him for himself. We stayed there for a while. I was able to get him, uh, at least tell him where shelter was, food, help, and people that could help him. And we ended up parting ways. He wasn't saved that night. But I want to remind you, I can't save anybody. Neither can you. That's not your job. It's not your job. Our job is to share the message of hope. Whether they respond or not, no matter how bad it hurts our heart, that's not our deal. Our deal is to tell them how to be saved. You ever stop and think you're the mouthpiece for God? I often remind my preacher buddies of that, and they never thank me for it. You speak on behalf of of Christ you have the message of hope that 
brings people from death to life. You have it. Another job experience I had, this young man came to deliver stuff in a garage of this house. I was working on the other end of the house. I noticed him pull up. And I believe, if my memory is correct, this is the first person I ever led to Christ. I walked from the other end of the house, and I walked down and started talking to him. Uh, asked him where he was from. He was from Moore, Oklahoma. Anybody ever heard of Moore, Oklahoma? All right. He was from Moore, Oklahoma. He was unloading bags of mortar, right? And I asked him if he went to church anywhere. don't remember his answer. But I remember asking him, Are you saved? He said, no, I'm not, but I've sure been thinking about it a lot lately. I said, how come? He said, my uncle just died, so I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about death. I've been thinking about my future, eternity. I said, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he died for your sins? That God raised him from the dead? He says, I do. I said, have you ever cried out to him? He said, no. I said, would you like to do that today and to make him your Lord and Savior? And he pulled his hat off, and he said, I would. And he prayed to receive Christ in that garage. can't tell you how many garages and how many porches of people I don't even know that I've introduced people to Jesus in those homes. I'll tell you a, a huge help for me at times is an app called One Cross. It has a gospel presentation. It's about two to three minutes long in about 30 to 50 different languages. I don't speak Spanish, though I want to really bad, but I'm telling you, whatever this guy says, he says it with passion. And when they get done watching it, they usually look at me and say, yes, please, or yes, now. The first time I used it, I was walking in Fort Worth, walking down the sidewalk, going from door to door, came to a house, couldn't understand each other. She said, come back, manana. Come back later. Come back at 3.30. I said, okay, will do. I didn't know what she was doing at that time. But I left. I went to the next house, and I'm like, oh, you dummy. Your app, your app. So I pulled the app out and got it ready. Went ahead and knocked on the next door. This lady did not speak very good English. I pushed play on this. So I was like, she's starting to cry before her and I ever even get to talk from whatever this guy's saying. I didn't even know what he said. She, it was over, and she hands me my phone back, and she says, yes, please, right now. She prayed to receive Christ. First two or three people I showed this to. Prayed to receive Christ. It's kind of bothered me at that point, and I'm like, I need to find out what this thing says. I don't even have a clue what it says. So that same day, I go back to the first house that the lady told me to come back at 3.30. I noticed there was a bus there. Kids were getting off of the bus. So we kind of walked past a little bit, and this girl walks into the house, let her get in there. I go knock on the door. She comes back. Her name was Mariella. And I tried to pronounce it in Spanish, you know, and she kept saying, no. Really? No, just Mariella. Just go with that. I said, okay. I said, well, look, 
your mom told me to come back at this time. I said, I want to show her this video to tell her about Christ. And she's like, well, she can't come out now. And I'm like, okay, great. So we turned to walk off. I said, wait a minute. Can you understand what I'm saying? She said, yeah. Yeah. So I shared the gospel with this girl on her front porch. She prays to receive Christ. Opens her eyes up. They're like this big around. She's just looking at me with this, I just got Jesus look, right? I said, that's what I want to tell your mom. Can you go and tell your mother the things that I just told you? She said, yeah, come back tomorrow. I came back the next day. She told her mom. Her mom prayed to receive Christ. Meanwhile, I went and found a kid at school that can speak Spanish. I said, tell me what this says. Push play. And he's, he's listening, and I'm like, tell me what it says. I don't know what it says. Speak, you know, speak. And he tells me, he's like, he's talking about brokenness, emptiness. He's dealing with sin, that void in your heart. Uh, either way, it's a, it's a gospel presentation. That same day, I showed it to another guy. And there was very little uh, conversing between the two of us because of the language barrier. Showed it to him, and he says, come back manana. That's tomorrow. I said, okay, will do. So I went and got somebody at school that could speak Spanish. Went back to his house. He met us in the front yard, and the two of them are talking. And my guy's kind of giggling over here. And I'm like, hey, what are you laughing at? Tell me what he's saying. Tell me what he's saying. He said, uh, well, yesterday when you showed him that video, he prayed to receive Christ. He wants to know where you go to church because he wants to go to church with you. He wants to know if you can get him a Bible in his language. He wants to know if you have any more videos about Jesus. And he wants to know if he can go door to door with you when you do this. That has never happened before. <laughs> Not with me. Somebody got it. You know what I mean? Somebody got it. I was able to get him connected with a church, Spanish-speaking church, that uh, loved on him, checked up on him, and helped him grow i went back and seen that man several times uh there was a language barrier but we knew that we were brothers and we were able to speak and communicate uh in, in well enough terms to be able to do so so this is this is how i do it but you have to remember that every situation is different but the one thing you have to do basically the only way you can fail at this is to keep your mouth shut and not say anything. I want to tell you about uh, my new buddy. He's three years old, and his name is Callie. His baby brother was in the hospital here a couple of weeks ago, and I went to go see his parents. His grandma was there, and I got to talking with her grandma, with his grandma, and she says to me, out of the blue, yeah, every Sunday... I'll come by, stop at the house to see the kids, play with Callie, and he'll ask me, Mama, did you go to church today? When she says no, he says, why not? He's three years old. And there's something about this church that makes him want to tell his grandmother that she needs to be going to church. He's three years old. I don't know how you get that. <laughs> At three years old, I told his mama, I'm enlisting him. 
I want him now. He can go door to door with me anytime. This kid gets it, right? So, let me share with you a couple of mistakes I've made over the years. One particular guy did my spill. Where are you from? Wife, kids, family. Talk with them. Go to church. Now, not really, but most of my family's Mormon. Well, before I thought, I told him that was a cult, not Christianity. I seen him later, like months, year later, whatever, and I'm like, how you doing? He said, I'm pretty good. Kind of went through the spill, and he's like, don't you remember telling me that my family religion was a cult? I have not made that mistake again. <laughs> I've learned some things are better left alone, even when they're wrong, until you can get the message across to them. I never did get to share with him. He never would listen to me past that point. I closed the door. That was a mistake I made. Another guy, he was a uh, Formica guy, sat and chat with him all day long. And these cases are rare. We talked about everything under the sun. This guy went to church, but only because his wife asked him to. By the way, do you know the number one reason new people come to church? Number one reason. It's because somebody asked them to. Number one reason, every time, every poll, every single time. Most unchurched people, 96% of unchurched people, when asked what it would take to get them to church, they said, somebody asking me to come. I won't go into the whole statistic about how many people had or hadn't asked people to come to church, but I'm begging you to ask people to come to this church. Begging you to ask people to come to church. That is, like, very, very simple. <laughs> Back to the Formica guy. Sit there and chat with him all day long. Didn't lead him to Christ. Wasn't a thing. His whole family was Christians. Wife, kids. But he was not. He is atheist. Doesn't want any part of it. Whatever. I was able to tell him, you know, I just want to share this with you. Every time you go to church with your family and with your wife, you're telling her, I love you this much. I just want you to know that. That's like a personal note to your wife every time you come. Her knowing you could care less. Just a little tidbit. Throw that out. Seen that guy a few months later at a restaurant, and I did not. He seen me, and I seen him. I did not get up and go talk to him. Every single time I have seen him since then, he won't give me the time of day. He found out I was a Christian. He found out I was a preacher. I have two sets of cards in my wallet. Electrical cards, pastoral card. I don't get, <laughs> I'm very careful who I give the pastoral card to because of this particular guy. He literally won't give me the time of day anymore. At all. Because I'm a pastor. And I think the bigger part was because I didn't come over and talk to him when we sat at that restaurant and both of us knew each other was there because I brought it up and tried to apologize. He's like, eh, whatever. 
whatever. Not every case is like that. Try not to let an opportunity just for your presence to be made known. Just to acknowledge I seen you and I just wanted to come over and say hello. Enjoy your meal. Stuff like that. But try not to let a simple thing close a door that you'll not be able to open up again at all. Um, we're about to be at the end of our time. I want to share a couple of last things with you. Remember, the only failure you can do is to keep your mouth shut and never say anything. Anything you say for the Lord about the church is a win and pointing people in this direction. I talked with Tom Elliff two weeks ago, used to be the president of the IMB. His advice to me is what he's told me before, but to make sure to tell you, when you have a conversation with somebody, always leave them with eternity in mind. What does that mean? Well, the old school way is to ask the people if you were to die today, do you know for sure where you would go? Some people think that's offensive, some don't, whatever. I'm open to all the methods, whatever it takes to win the people to Christ. Another way to leave people thinking about eternity, I just ask them what they think it's like. What do you think heaven will be like? What do you know about God? I've learned that if you'll ask questions, they'll do the majority of the talking. And the things that they say will tell you the next thing that you want to ask them. I don't correct people anymore when the theology is not quite <laughs> what I think it ought to be or what I would hope it would be. But I just take what they give me and I go with it. Now remember, evangelism is not a gift. It's a skill that we learn and that we practice that over and over. So I noticed in the book of Acts, I looked up the word boldness. And it is by far used in the book of Acts than in all of the rest of the scripture, especially in the New Testament. But every single time you see the word boldness in the New Testament, every time, no exception, it deals with evangelism. It deals with sharing Christ with other people. I also just happen to notice in the book of Acts, there's two times. One time is in chapter 4. The believers were gathered together in this house, and they were praying for boldness to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. You may be familiar with this passage. As they were praying, the house was shaken. Lord shook the house and they all began to speak with boldness it says they went out and began to evangelize those communities those places around them the, the book of Acts ends with the apostle Paul with Luke telling us that Paul continued to preach and to teach with boldness so there's a group right here, there's a group right there, there's a group right there. I'm going to ask you to do two things to close us out tonight. 
I hope that you know someone that's lost. I hope that you've been praying for someone that's lost. But that's what I want you to do tonight. You can pick one person in your group. Everybody share a name. And then just pray over those names. But pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. You are God's mouthpiece. You are his method for getting the message of Jesus Christ to people. Remember, it's not your job to save anybody. It's your job to share the message of Christ. If you would, just kind of turn your seats around for one another. Share some names. And then one of you in the group, Jim, will you pray over that group? Bob, will you pray? Who will pray? John, will you pray over that group? Each of those people, because I don't want any of you to feel awkward or on the spot. So I'll just name the ones. Pray for boldness. Share some names. Your neighbors, coworkers. The next time, I'll be back up here in two weeks. I'm going to talk to you about sharing with your family. Because what I shared with you tonight is by far the easiest. These people don't know you. These people are probably not going to see you that much anymore. But your family? No. <laughs> they know you. They see you. That's a little bit tougher to do, for sure. So if you don't mind, circle up right quick. Turn around, face one another, and then just pray over those names. And I will dismiss us with a prayer here in just a couple of minutes.